This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamaliti. How would you say that creating Stump Kitchen has impacted your own journey? Oh my goodness. I think, you know, creating Stump Kitchen and putting myself out there has literally like allowed myself to, to just love myself more. And I would realize that watching the footage made me so joyful because I was so happy when I was cooking. And it's allowed me to connect with so many other awesome individuals like yourself, like all the kids that I get to cook with. Like when we get to see ourselves represented in the world, our, our opportunities and our possibilities are just cracked wide open. Mm-hmm. And if I get to do that for one person, it's just like, yeah. I often say if I would have seen someone like me um, in mainstream media when I was younger, I, I could I could confidently say that I would have had a different experience with acceptance and, and who I was. That's Alexis Hilliard. She's the creator of the YouTube channel Stump Kitchen, and she's joining us here all the way from Edmonton, Alberta. Welcome, Alexis. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I wanted to ask a couple of questions, and it's just the little thing that I like to call getting to know you, and I like to get to know my guest. Um, so the first one, if you could hang out with one celebrity for a day, who would it be and why? Uh, <laughs> I think it would be Chef Ramsay because he's so sweet in person and so kind to his family, and he's so brilliant in the kitchen. And I, when I cook, I swear a lot. And so I feel like we'd have that in common. I just think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. So I think, I think Gordon Ramsay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who would you hang out with? There are so many that come to mind. I think the very first one would be maybe Rachel Ray. Um, uh, Ina Garden. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Like Ina, I love Ina. If I could just hang in the kitchen with so- Ina. I will be so happy. Um, there are just so many. There are so many that I could choose from. Uh, oh, Valerie Bertinelli. Uh, she does Valerie's Home Cooking. Um, look, I told you, I could go on forever. What was your favorite subject in school? Math. Wow, nice. I love the math. I, and I took a math degree. and I, I, So I'm trained as a secondary math teacher, which is kind of random. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. If your worst enemy wrote your dating profile, what would it be? And what would they say? Princess. Uh, likes things her own way all the time. She is a kitchen top. She will not let you cook something if she thinks she could do it better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I call them one-uppers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> In fact, I have a mug. A friend of mine got me a mug a while ago it's and it says kitchen top on it and I'm like wow you know me so well because it's true I'm just like do you want me to, do you want me to just slide in there and uh, do this and they're like oh <laughs> so yeah <laughs> can you share a little bit about yourself and your journey with us absolutely so um Edmonton born and raised uh I'm a huge choir nerd uh I love to cook uh I was born without my left hand I call my left arm my stump, um, and I use my stump as a kitchen tool from like a juicer to a masher to a like a spatula. 
So that's kind of what I showcase on my show, Stump Kitchen. Um, I'm also um, really active on all social medias. And so talking about like limb difference awareness, disability awareness, cooking, also advocacy, humor, stump. I paint little characters on my arm. Um, I also live with my partner, Allison, and my little toddler, who's almost three, uh, Joven. And we love to cook together. And uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. So when did you start cooking? Probably only, like, I didn't really do a lot of cooking um, before about seven years ago when I started my show. And that was just because I I made the decision to become a vegan. And I also just was recently diagnosed with a gluten intolerance. So like, boom, all of a sudden I had like very limited food that I could eat by choice and by like my body. And so I was like, well, crap, I got to get cooking. I got to figure out what to, what to do. And so I was nervous to get into it, um, just because of like all the, you know, really intense stuff that you see on the food network and on TV. And so I was a little bit nervous, but I started with some, you know, basic recipes and and ingredients that I found online and slowly started to just like, I guess, hone my craft and, Mm -hmm. you know, experiment with like, how do you open a head of garlic? <laughs> you know, how do you make guacamole? Right. And I found that like I was starting to just adore it because I was naturally using my stump as a tool. So like the first time I juiced a lemon, I just stuck my stump right into it and juiced it. And my partner was like, that's amazing. You should film that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so she really kind of like coaxed me into like making a video and showcasing it to the world. And that's kind of how Stump Kitchen um, began like my, my cooking show and my online presence, but really the love of cooking was really recent in my life. And it only came because of this like really cool body love that I, you know, kind of got to fall in love with my stuff again as this like fun, exciting part of my life that just made it, I don't know, really embodied and and fun. So that's kind of my weird cooking journey. (laughs) Are you up for a couple of games? Yes. I love games. First one I want to do is rapid fire. Tell us one thing most people don't know about you. I am a soprano. No, people know that about me. I have tattoos. They don't know that. Okay. Name one thing from your childhood that kids today wouldn't understand. <laughs> um, like rotary phones. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, Oh, like using the phone book and the yellow pages? That might be a thing. That's a thing, yes. Memorizing phone numbers? I had to know all my friends' phone numbers, and I did. I still know my childhood phone number, by the way. (laughs) Yes, but I don't know anyone that I've met recently. (laughs) Nope, I have no idea. Because it's all my phone. I barely know my partners. No idea, yeah. (laughs) Name or sing a song that always puts you in a good mood. Uh, 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 uh. I'm just totally blanking. The only songs that I could think of right now, Mary, are like Baby Shark, do 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 Baby Shark, because I'm a toddler mom. So the only songs that are coming to my brain are just like kid songs. Like, and honestly, that song that song does put me in a good mood. It's pretty fun. I don't mind it. <laughs> so now that we just said Baby Shark and you got that stuck in my head, thank you, by the way. Yeah. You're welcome. The next question was going to be curse words you use in the kitchen. (laughs) 
It's like a terrible Everything, segue all into of them. All, all of, of the curse words. <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you faced in the kitchen and how have you overcome those challenges? In the kitchen? In the kitchen. Yeah, we're uh, moving to the kitchen now, Alexis. I yes, we are. You know, honestly, <laughs> we're moving to the kitchen. I actually haven't I haven't had too many challenges in the kitchen. In fact, I think because my cooking journey began with me allowing myself to do things in my own way, use my stuff as a tool, et cetera, et cetera, take time, it like allowing myself to spill stuff, like just whatever. I haven't had a lot of challenges. Like, I mean, I've, I've definitely learned some kitchen tips that have helped along the way. So like, I know, um, for me, like, I love to cook with a garbage bowl right beside me because if you're cooking and you have waste or you have garbage, you have stuff to get out of your way. It's a bit tricky to like open the garbage and throw it in and whatever. So I love having that to keep my cook space clear. I love putting like, if I don't have a good uh, cutting board with like legs or whatever, like I'll put um, like a towel under a moist towel so it doesn't slip because when I'm cutting, I use a lot of pressure because I don't have a grasping mechanism on my stump. I just have to push down the vegetable or push down the fruit to keep it from rolling. So sometimes my cutting board can be like, <laughs> so I have to keep it steady. So there's things that I've learned along the way that make cooking easier for me. Um, but I can't, I can't think of too many challenges, which is what about cool. grocery shopping or packaging? Oh, <laughs> well, I guess that's a, <laughs> that's a bit See, of an idea. That's sometimes. my reaction when I talk about packaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can like, okay, I'll try to describe my front two teeth. The one uh -huh. on the left is like a little bit chipped from, I, I do grind my teeth, but also I use my teeth in the front as my opening tools for everything. And so they are like worn down from just like all that packaging. My dentist yeah. and my mom are just like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, you know what? This is what you got to do when you're missing a hand or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Um, like sometimes opening jars, like opening a peanut butter jar is tricky. If I don't have, if I'm wearing like slippery clothes, sometimes I'll put it between my legs. Um, mm -hmm. I really don't like the packages that you like, um, like chip bags or things with like a really strong Ziploc seal that you kind of have to rip apart. I always have to use my mm -hmm. teeth for that. Um, yeah, there's like, and even like the, the berries and clamshells, I'm just like, or like the lettuce and clamshell oh, yeah. packaging. I'm just like, how do people get into these without cutting themselves? Like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely some packaging that I like to avoid. Um, but there's really nothing that like a pair of scissors and a set of teeth can't, you know, get into, I, I don't think. <laughs> Do you avoid buying anything because of the packaging? <clears throat> I think I'm really stubborn. And so I probably don't, but I would imagine that subconsciously I do. I do. I probably do avoid things with that are like, say like really small jars that with a tight lid, because those are really hard to hold on to. Like they just slip around. So I think that on some level I do avoid it, but like there is that stubbornness in me that's just like, I'll break it if I have to. I will get it. I'll get into it. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that is a bit of a barrier. Yeah. yeah. What would you say are some of your most used kitchen utensils and appliances? My chef's knives. I have so I have four uh, Japanese uh, knives uh, and I use them every day and I love them. And when I bought them, I made sure that I had to cut something for every single meal because <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, 
I also adore my blender and food processor, like for a soup, for a sauce, for a, you know, anything. Um, I, I love those tools so, so much. Um, we recently got into cast iron. So I have like a set of cast iron pans now. So much fun. Like they're heavy, but they're so great. So I get a workout when I have to wash them. But like, yeah, I just, th- I think those ones, those tools are probably my favorite. Oh, and I have like a beautiful like larch wood cutting board. I just like how like the Japanese knife looks on the cutting board. It just looks so pretty. <laughs> so yeah, I like pretty things in the kitchen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What are some common misconceptions about disabilities and limb differences that you'd like to address? You know, I think one thing is that like people often like people who don't have a limb difference or don't have a disability, I think assume that everybody with a limb difference has the same experience and that's so different. I like it's so wrong like or the assumption that like if you're missing a limb or missing a hand or whatever, that you must have a, you must have a prosthetic. You must need that. You must, you know, cause that's what is so in, in dominant culture. And that's not the case. Some people adore them. Some people don't, some people need them. Some people don't. It's such a personalized journey for, for people and, and their different like daily needs. So yeah, I think it's just like, and for, for like disabled folks in general, I think like you know, non-disabled people might have the, the perception, like when they look at folks who use wheelchairs, they might think, oh, they all have the same experience, but there's like so many different reasons for why you're in a wheelchair. There's so many different, you know, uh, so many different like, like issues or like awesome stuff that you're experiencing in your life that are so different than somebody else who's using a wheelchair. So I think it's just like that, that nuance is that like, it's so individual and so unique. And so to not be like lumped together in this, like, I don't know, pile of sameness that, um, yeah. So just understanding that nuance, I think would be really helpful. And how would you say that creating Stump Kitchen has impacted your own journey? Oh my goodness. I think, you know, creating Stump Kitchen and putting myself out there has literally like allowed myself to, to just love myself more (laughs) like it really started off as this almost selfish uh journey in self-love because I would you know film myself edit I taught myself how to edit and stuff and put out videos and I would realize that watching the footage made me so joyful because I was so happy when I was cooking and so it became this like beautiful cycle of like I want to do it again I want to watch myself have so much joy it was like this this um snapshot of joy that I could capture um And so it's, it's really, I don't know, it's just opened up a lot of joyful possibilities for me. And it's allowed me to connect with so many other awesome individuals like yourself, like all the kids that I get to cook with, like people around the world who, you know, have a limb difference, have a disability that we've been able to talk with. So my, my whole world has literally been cracked wide open and I'm so grateful for it. Are there any moments or a particular memorable moment or experience that you've had while creating Stump Kitchen? Um, uh, there's been many. Uh, there was one time <clears throat> I was making pizza with this little kid named uh, Ethan, who is like 15 now, like he's huge. Um, but we were making pizza and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just like dip my stump into this pizza sauce and I'm just going to smear it on 
It's a crust. I'm just going to smear it on. And he was like, me too. So he puts his arm, because he had a very similar limb difference to me, puts his arm into the sauce, smacks it down onto the pizza crust, and I get sauce all over my face. And by the end of that episode, I looked up and there was sauce on my ceiling. (laughs) So like, it was just this amazing experience where I got to let him just like, you know, do what he needed to do in the kitchen. And then I had this like pizza sauce uh, ceiling memory of it for months. I love it. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And then getting that pizza sauce off. I'm sure it stayed there for a while because getting up there, right? Mm -hmm. Must have been fun. It stayed there. Yeah. It stayed there until the day that I moved out. (laughs) So I was like, oh no. ah." I'm Mary Mammoliti and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today I'm talking with YouTube creator Alexis Hilliard from Stum Kitchen. I'm curious, have you always been? body positive and, and loved your body image. And I ask this because I have a love hate relationship with mine, right? It, it, it wasn't, it was a journey. So ha- for yourself, was it something that you embraced immediately? Was it something that to, over time? Well, I, I had a really interesting childhood, I think, because my sister, who's two and a half years younger than I, <clears throat> she, when she was about, I don't know, two or three or something, really started to pay attention to my stump and really started to play with it, love it. Um, she just, she just adored it. And that's where my, my arm kind of became its own little entity. And I used to draw little eyes and a mouth because I have, I've got two longer fingers on my stump, like a, a thumb and a pinky, and then a couple little ones in the middle that are about half a centimeter long. And they, like the thumb, <coughs> excuse me, the thumb looks just like, you remember the character Ziggy from like a long time ago? Like he yeah. looks just like Ziggy. So I would draw the little eyes and I would put on shows for my sister and she would laugh. And then eventually Bebe, she named Bebe, my stump Bebe, because she was trying to say baby hand, but she just said Bebe. So that name really stuck. And then so my stump was Beba. And then my other hand, my right hand, which is, you know, a whole hand, got named Biggie. And so Biggie was this, like, became the bad person and Beba was, like, the good one. And so I would put on shows for her and, like, Be- Beba would always save the day. So this was our childhood. And, like, it was, like, this beautiful little body love celebration situation that I didn't even know I needed. Um and so that really set me up for a life of just honoring myself, my body, my stump. And and so that was a beautiful way to start life. But then obviously growing up and going through school and becoming a teenager, I had a lot of ups and downs with like, this is who I am. This is great. And then being like, why was I made this way? And then I would have a couple bullies here and there. And that would really set me back. But then I would just be like, I'm awesome. So it was really hot and cold for a while. And now as an adult, and particularly as a parent, I've really, really settled into this, like this, I adore this part of me. I adore who I am. I adore my limb difference and use it as a, you know, education tool, conversation starter. My, my, my uh, toddler Joven plays with my stump, like my little sister used to at at Joven's age. So (coughs) it's like this beautiful full circle uh, thing. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had my share of dark times, uh, that I 
I'm glad that I'm mostly through, I'll say. <laughs> well, I mean, and not only, I mean, you cook, but obviously with your channel and with what you do, um, I'm, I'm curious and, and I want to know what your thoughts on are on this. Like, how do you hope to change the way that society perceives physical differences through your work? I think I, I never set out trying to do anything with the show. It, it just kind of happened a bit naturally, which was lovely. Like I started putting up videos and then parents would be emailing me being like, Hey, my kid looks like you and they want to cook now. And so it was like this beautiful, you know, repercussions or, or, or side effects of the show that I didn't even realize were, um, I didn't know that I would be able to impact. And so I think now it's a matter of being like, I really, I would say that my audience primarily are like disabled folks and specifically people with a limb difference. And everyone else is just like icing on the cake. Um, I think like little ones, particularly growing up with a limb difference or disability, they deserve to see themselves represented. They deserve to see a part of themselves celebrated and, and put in the, in the spotlight. And so I think for me, my, my hope is that, <coughs> pardon me, for me, my hope is that, you know, these little ones will be like, yeah, that's, that's for me. Or like, Hey, look at, like, I just think that when we get to see ourselves represented in the world, our, our opportunities and our possibilities are just cracked wide open. Mm -hmm. And if I get to do that for one person, it's just like, yeah, um, yeah. And then everybody else, like the non-disabled folks, if they learn something, that's awesome. But really, this is like for my people, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. And I, I say the same thing. I do what I do because of the same reasons. If yeah. I, and I often say, if I would have seen someone like me um, in mainstream media when I was younger, I, I could I could confidently say that I would have had a different experience with acceptance and, and who I was, not even acceptance from others, with myself as to who I was and and why I was made this way, right? It would have been, it's just like, oh, it's okay. It's okay that I was made this way and it's okay that I'm different because of X, Y, and Z that I've been seeing. Hey, that person's just like me. Um, and I think that's, that's where we lacked that. And then now a lot of this, and we're going to get into it about social media and online, how that's changed for us and our, and our community. Um, and I often wondered, you know, what advice would you give to individuals on how to appreciate or celebrate physical differences, whether it's their own or others? Hmm, that's a good question. I think, I think the first thing is like being kind and gentle with ourselves, like regardless of who we are the bodies that we have and allowing ourselves the time and the space to figure out our own ways of doing things and to be like, yeah, just to be really gentle with that. Because there are times that I get so frustrated with things that I will, like, <laughs> I'll break down or I'll just like, like, I remember when, before Jobin was born, I was practicing dressing a stuffed animal because I wanted to practice like, you know, doing up all the baby clothing snaps and stuff like that. And I had this one outfit trying to do, and it was so difficult. It was taking forever and I just wasn't able to get it. And I just broke down. I'm like, how am I going to dress my baby? What the heck? And I cried with my partner and I, I got over it. But at the time it was like this challenge that I couldn't really see the other side of. 
But then even that night I was like, hang on a second. There's so many BB clothes that like have Velcro. <laughs> so like, and, and they're just the like thing, are yeah. stretchy. <laughs> and so yeah. it's like, I got to give myself permission to say, this is something that doesn't work for my body. And that doesn't make me bad or wrong. It just is something that doesn't work for me. And I can find something else that does work for me. And that's awesome because you know what? This world was not built with bodies like mine and yours in mind. And I think by existing more out there in social media and in the world and talking about this stuff, we can start to change the way that the world is constructed so that people have, you know, accessibility and a variety of different bodies in mind when they're building stuff, like when they're building buildings, when they're building um, teaching um, modules, when they're building anything. And so, yeah, we get to kind of change the world, I guess. That wasn't really your question, but I think no, we're changing but, the world. <laughs> but I mean, I think you're on, you have answered it in, in a sense mm. where by having representation, by acceptance uh, and, and of who we are first, and why we're here and what makes us so great. Um, and you're right, because accessibility right now in anything that happens and anything that's being built and anything that's being designed, unfortunately, is an afterthought. So the product or the, the, the product is designed. And then it's, oh, what about accessibility? Whereas by talking about it, by sharing, by doing things, by showing modifications, we're basically helping to kind of push that to the forefront and make it part of the design project, part of the design process, let's say, rather than that afterthought, which is my my hope and what you're saying as well, is that that's your hope is that it becomes forefront right to the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know we tapped on this just a little bit, but I mentioned that we were going to talk about the internet because there are many negative sides of the internet, but there are also so many positive sides. Like, your story, as well as many others in the disability community. I mean, I mean, it's connected us to, uh, to people who may have never met you in Edmonton, me here in Toronto, if it weren't for the internet. And I find this interesting because I was once told that I was the very first person that this person met with a disability or that they had ever met, which I found really interesting. Do you feel that the internet and social media that it, it's helping to normalize conversations about disability. Absolutely. And I, just like you, I have that, I have that comment so frequently, like, oh my gosh, you're the only, like, you're the first person I've met <clears throat> with an arm like me. And I'm just like, how is that possible? You know, but it, it's such an honor to be able to be that person. And I, I think, yes. And then you've got like beautiful communities um, online that people can find themselves a part of. And I think for me, like, <clears throat> when I started doing online video creation and stuff like that, I would by default find other disabled creators and like learn about their work and they would comment on my stuff. And then we would start collaborating and talking. And I met, um, uh, footless Joe, who's a, another, um, amputee creator. And I ended up becoming friends and I went down to her, like to Colorado to film together so these beautiful relationships and communities I, I have built and found just through being online and, and doing this work. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of crappy stuff, but I honestly haven't experienced too much myself just because of like the type of content I'm creating and the people that I get to reach out to, I guess. I don't know. I've gotten very lucky that way. Um, but yeah, I ultimately think it's so important um, for all the reasons that you that you mentioned too. 
I ask every guest to share a little kitchen confession with us. Do you have one that you can share? Like a <laughs> like a your face right now. <laughs> like a bad says it all. <laughs> like what are you talking about? What do you want me to say? Uh, I mean, like okay, when I was living alone. And I, even now too, but it's okay. Cause we're family. Like I was particularly when I was living alone and I would like use my stump as a tool constantly. I was just like licking food off my stump and just putting it back in the bowl. Like, I don't care. Nobody's going to see, nobody's going to know. So that was a bit questionable. I think it's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for oh, you're so talking welcome. with me today, for so being fun. here, for sharing your story. You are awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you. Thank you. you. Thank you. It was so great to be here. If listeners want to reach out, find more, learn more about you, where do they go? What do they do? TikTok, Stub Kitchen, Instagram, Stub Kitchen, YouTube, Stub Kitchen, all of the social medias, and they just reach out. Yeah. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 